Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, if you have your Bibles or your outlines, I'd encourage you to pull those out. You're going to find that today's message will coincide a lot with what's probably happening in your own heart and in your own life and what's happening around us. By way of introduction, uh, again, for you can follow along in the outline, we're going to be in Jeremiah 33. That's in the Old Testament. If you were to take your Bible and go right in the middle of your Bible, you're probably going to end in Psalms. And then if you go to the right just a little bit, you're going to come to Proverbs. And what comes after Proverbs, church? Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, right? Isaiah? All right, Jeremiah, Lamentations, right there. So that's where you'll be, Jeremiah chapter 33. Um, you ever wonder, or you ever see um, unusually placed labels? Um, sometimes they're just in the silliest places. I saw this label that said, warning, do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, this is found on gas caps for uh, jet skis and ATVs. This little warning that says, never use a lip match or open flame to check fuel level. <laughs> like, in all honesty, that's a good warning, right? Someone probably needs that. On hair dryers, I've seen this before. It says, don't use while sleeping. <laughs> Some of you might want to write that one down. Just don't use while you're sleeping. Um, on a blowtorch gas bottle, I promise there's a warning that says this, contents may catch on fire, right? They might be flammable. Uh, this is found on eggs. Product may contain eggs. I hope so, first of all. On a washing machine, it'll say, do not put any person in this washer. I like this one. I found this one on a Superman costume where it said, this costume, Superman costume, this costume does not enable flight or super strength. <laughs> we, we've discussed these six life-changing prayers and we've deduced that most of our prayers are either too safe or non-existent. They're non-existent in the fact that we, we, we pray for things we almost are assuredly of guaranteed, but also we pray prayers that are too safe. Lord, um, bless me today. That's a safe prayer. It's a good prayer. It's also really safe. Be with me today. Uh, he's promised his presence. So we're talking about prayers that, that might actually change your life. We've talked about the fact that following Jesus was never meant to be safe, and yet somehow our prayer life has been reduced to these safe prayers. And so today's prayer comes with a warning. It is not common, it's not safe, it's not easy, and it's dangerous, if you will. This prayer, should you pray it, will inconvenience your life. It will disrupt it. It will invite interruptions into your life. It will present some challenges and some obstacles. In fact, if God answers this prayer, you will be frustrated. Your life will become more difficult. 
your life will not become easy. Today's prayer is this, align my heart with yours, God. Would you say that prayer with me, those six words, ready, begin. Align my heart with yours, God. So far we've used the first prayer was, Father, uh, make me bold. And we looked at Peter and John and we looked at situation in their life where they were threatened under the threat of persecution and further imprisonment. They were thrown in jail twice in one day. They didn't pray for safety. They didn't pray for comfort. They didn't pray for their troubles to go away. They prayed, Lord, make me bold in this situation. We looked at the second prayer, and the second prayer was, speak to me, Lord. And we talked about Samuel being 10 or 11 years old, and, 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 and Eli telling him, you know, God's talking to you, so the next time he talks to you, you need to listen and ask him to speak to you. It will challenge you, it will convict you, it will strengthen you, but we talked about how if we are still, if we silence the noise, if we're willing and we're ready, that God absolutely will speak to you. And so today we think about this prayer, align my heart with yours. In other words, crush my heart, strip me from my comfort, my ease, my spiritual apathy, help me to see people as you see them, help me to have my heart uh, emptied out of all my selfishness, align my heart with yours. Uh, Warning, if you pray this prayer, God will answer it. And you will find yourself burdened and grieved and your heart will ache about something that burdens the very heart of God. You'll lose sleep over this. Your heart will burn with anger. You will face criticism based on how you reevaluate your life and adjust your values and your priorities. And in all your pain, agony, and discomfort, you will find joy because you will be blessed as your heart is aligned with God's. We begin today with the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah has a nickname for those who think about the Bible and talk about the Bible, and he's known as the weeping prophet, the crying prophet. How would you like that to be your nickname? The crying pastor. His heart was crushed over the plight of his people. Let me give you a little bit of background before we read from Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah took the Uh, the daunting task of proclaiming a message of judgment against God's people and their removal from the land they had once received as a gift. And they had once received this land as a gift, and now they were going to be given a judgment from God. And at the time of Jeremiah's warnings, the nation of Judah was in its last days. Jeremiah warned that God would raise up the nation of Babylon to defeat God's people and haul them off into captivity. This is what was happening. The, uh, the people of Judah themselves, they were rebelling. The leadership would abuse the widows and the underprivileged and the, uh, those without a voice in the land. They would take advantage of those who were poor. Uh, the land was known for sacrificing children and babies to false gods. Their sin was breaking God's heart, and so Jeremiah's heart broke on the behalf of God over the people of Judah. This is his words from Jeremiah 8 and verse 18. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. I hurt with the hurt of my people. 
I mourn and am overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? He saw these injustices and he saw that they couldn't defend themselves. His grief was beyond healing. He mourned and he was overcome with grief. And so Jeremiah cried and he prayed and he preached and he fasted and nothing changed. And if you listen to the words of Jeremiah, this is what you hear. My grief is unbearable. My heart is broken. I hurt with the hurt of my people. And if Jeremiah was the poster for what following God looked like, are these words attractive to us? Is this the kind of life you want to live? Does this make you want to serve God wholeheartedly? Again, this prayer comes with a warning. It's not an easy prayer. It's dangerous. It'll interrupt your life. You will begin to feel things that you haven't felt before. Your life will become difficult, and if you pray this prayer, God will answer it. Jeremiah said, my grief is unbearable. My heart is broken. Lord, align my heart with yours. So in Scripture, we're, we're asked to be careful, to pay careful attention to our hearts. Our heart is the... Um, it's the driving force of our emotion and our will in Scripture. And so in Proverbs, it's written this way, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Your, your life flows from your heart. What your heart rests with in terms of your emotion, in terms of uh, what you end up doing, all starts from your heart. And so when the... the, the uh, the writer in Proverbs says, guard your heart. He means stand watch, protect it, because everything you do flows from it. Your obedience to Christ flows from your heart. Your disobedience to him flows from your heart. And so this prayer, align my heart with yours, God, this prayer is, means allowing your heart to feel pain, to be burdened, and to be moved with the very heart of God. To the point where the feeling doesn't go away, that it eats at you, that it gnaws at you, to the point where you must do something. Now, this type of alignment is countercultural to what we have been led to believe about Jesus. Because we have allowed ourselves into thinking that when we decide to follow Jesus Christ and the burdens of my heart rolled away, and so do all my troubles. In fact, I just have sunny days from here on out. There's no clouds. There's no rain. There's no traffic for followers of Jesus. Kids never rebel when you're following Jesus. You don't get sick. You, you know, we've allowed ourselves to think that following Jesus makes our life easy. What it does is it makes our life make sense, but it hardly ever makes it easy. And this type of alignment is really countercultural to what we've been led to believe about Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, uh, familiar scriptures. We, I probably use them every three or four months in a message. Verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why shouldn't we conform ourselves to the pattern of this world? Because this world has allowed us to think that following Christ means our problems go away, that our bills go away, that our life becomes fairy tales, and we just know that it's not true. In fact, what if God's greatest blessings come on the other side of pain that moves you beyond yourself to care for His people? What if God's greatest blessings come on the other side of pain? Laura Story wrote lyrics to the song called Blessings, and in the, those lyrics she says this, what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know He's near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Because what ends up happening in those moments where our heart is broken, where, where it's raining metaphorically in our lives, and we're challenged to dig deep and seek God's heart first, those trials, those moments in our life are actually disguised as mercy because they draw us to the very heart of God. Align my heart with yours, God. What if this year God blessed you with a heavenly burden that you couldn't shake? What if this year you had a divine ache in your heart for people? What if your heart was aligned with his this way? I, uh, I'm not afraid to admit I like being comfortable. This shirt right now is so stretchy. You see that? It's just so comfortable. We spent a couple days in the snow this week, and what I have learned over the years is I don't like being cold. I just don't do it. And uh, not that cold anyway. And so what I realized that if I were to prepare myself for being cold and have the right layers of clothing to keep myself warm, that I might enjoy it. So I, uh, I researched and I did some um, research. I've never had hiking boots in my life. So I researched hiking boots and I put into Google most comfortable hiking boots. And I found a pair at Marshall's that were one of the more comfortable ones. I put those on and it was very comfortable. I was at Costco the other day. They had these really thick, comfortable socks and it said um, cold-proof socks. And I thought, take my money. I can, I can do that. Um, I don't know if it's okay to say long johns in church. So I'm just going to tell you, I bought long johns at Costco. They're like a base layer, and they just keep you warm. And I just, I don't mind admitting, I like being comfortable. Uh, Costco, I'm just going to talk about Costco for a second. I'm not getting paid for any of this. Costco sells these stretchy jeans. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Yeah, no? Okay, they have these jeans. You were just nodding with me. They have these jeans that stretch like... I don't know, like sweatpants. And they're just comfortable. I don't mind admitting, I like being comfortable. That's why I don't like going camping, because I like my bed too much. <laughs> Here's the problem with being comfortable. Comfort has never moved anyone to action. Comfort begets more comfort. More luxury in life never shook me to care about those who would suffer. And I don't like pain. I, 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 I like pain-free days. 
But pain-free days never made me more like Christ. Pain is necessary. It sends signals to our body. It purifies us when we uh, are able to get rid of whatever is causing the pain. Discomfort focuses us. Suffering strengthens us. Trials make us more like Jesus, and they teach us to depend on Him. And being comfortable in our Christian life has never moved anyone to move and act for the cause of Christ. Align my heart with yours, God. This prayer will snap us out of our comfort and our ease. Um, Throughout the course of studying, I will consult a lot of writers. I'll consult a lot of theologians. And this last week, I consulted one that you're probably familiar with. Um, He's Popeye the Sailor Man. He's Popeye the Sailor Man. He's strong to the finish because... He eats his spinach. He's Popeye the Sailor Man. You watch Popeye and you watch those cartoons and every once in a while, uh, Brutus would would come on to his girlfriend, who? Olive oil. And it would get to the point and Popeye would say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. I want you to think about that quote when you pray this prayer. I want you to think about Popeye when you pray this prayer, align my heart with yours, God. Because what, what, what I think God will do is he'll break your heart, he'll empty you of your selfishness, he'll start causing you to think about what he's thinking about, what he's burdened for, begin to say, that's all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. Uh, You think about Moses growing up. Moses watched injustice as a young man. As a young man, he saw uh, Egyptian uh, uh, masters beating and abusing Hebrew young men. And that that injustice rested with Moses until it was too uncomfortable. And one day he stood up to that and he made a a mistake in his, uh, in his judgment. He ended up killing a man. He ended up, that ended up driving him out of the country. And yet God later used that moment in his life to come back. And his heart became aligned with God. And what did he say? He said, man, this is, this is all I can stand. I can't stand anymore. Align my heart with yours, God. And he was able to do something for the cause of Christ. Comfort has never moved anyone to action. Being uncomfortable is what moves us to action. I want you to think about David as a shepherd boy. He, he brings food to, his, his, to the soldiers and other brothers. There's a, they're facing a giant too big to defeat. And David says, man, he's too big you can't miss. Goliath began making fun of God, and David couldn't understand why he, someone, anyone, wouldn't defend God's honor, and he couldn't just sit idly by, and he comes against Goliath, and he says, who are you that you should defy and come against the armies of God? What did he say? That's all I can stand. I can't stand this anymore. I want you to think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a comfortable life with a very slightly high-risk job. He lived in the king's palace, but if anything was poisoned, he was the first one to taste it. He was the cupbearer. He had all the comforts of the palace. He heard from 
from friends that the wall in his homeland was broken down. And the wall being broken down was not simple, simply an architectural problem. The wall being broken down meant they were vulnerable to attack, that they had nothing to protect them. And so he, he, he wrestled in his heart, and the king looked at him one day and said, boy, you look a little sick. What's going on? And in that moment, the Bible says, and Nehemiah prayed to the Lord. What was that prayer? I think he was praying, Lord, uh, give me strength. Give me wisdom. Give me boldness. Align my heart with yours. And the very next sentence, he asked the king for the permission to go back. 53 days later, we see that the wall was being broken up. What I'm asking you to do is this. Would you pray this prayer, align my heart with yours, God? Because you will be given a divine burden placed from God Almighty. There's children in Douglas County that need us. There's some 400 kids in foster care right now. Some of them have to empty in the middle of the night with a trash bag and go to a motel with a caseworker because they don't have foster families. We've organized an effort to put together these welcome boxes for these kids, um, and I can't help but think that God is asking us to do more. We're going to have a whole month on worldwide missions, and, and many of you have faithfully given over the years to worldwide missions, and I'm excited to hear about the different ways our money has been used and impacted for the cause of Christ worldwide. But if you're sitting here or you're watching online and you've never given sacrificially for a specific cause, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer, and I'm warning you, God's going to answer it. And he's going to ask you to give your money away. He's going to ask you to, to fund something that will outlive your life. There's teenagers in our community that are wrestling through, man, big, big issues. And Darren is trying his best to work with them on, on Wednesdays, and, and, and there's, this, there's this interesting dynamic of kids being 12 and 13 years old and knowing way more than they should about life and seeing way more than they should in their home and wrestling with, man, I don't, I don't understand how there possibly could be a God because why would a God let my family go through what they're going through? I don't know what God is burdening your heart with, but I'm saying if you, if you pray this prayer, align my heart with yours, God, He's going to reveal an area for you to make a difference. Lovingly, as your pastor, some of us are so inwardly and selfishly focused, we couldn't be bothered by this prayer. And so let me ask you this. Would you rather be more comfortable or more Christ-like? Because to be fair, it's easier not to hurt. It's easier not to be burdened. It's easier not to be saddened. It's easier for our heart not to be broken. It's easier not to care. It's easier not to get involved. But it's not better. And we're not called to an easy life. We're called to a holy life. And that means we are set apart for a very specific purpose given by God. And if the weeping prophet himself, Jeremiah, was here today, I believe he would tell us this. It is better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. 
It is far better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul for a moment. Here is Saul, and Saul is a Saul. Um, um, Saul would fit in with in most churches because he knew the Scripture. He knew what it demanded. He knew what the standard should be. And while he sat on that standard, he just looked down at everyone who didn't meet that standard. Paul, Saul would fit in in most churches. One day he's on the road to Damascus. You know the story. And God appears to him and his life is forever changed. In Philippians 3, he kind of shares his testimony to a certain extent. We're going to pick it up in the second half of verse 3. He says this, We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. And then he, he, he kind of becomes vulnerable and he shares a personal uh, note with us. He says, Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. What he's saying is I'm religious, uh, I, know, I knew the law, I, I held the standard high, and while he was religious, he didn't know Christ. And he was fully righteous in his own eyes, but with no personal relationship. He goes on to give his resume. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the law. Verse 6, I am so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without a fault. That's Paul's resume. And then look at what he says in verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them, what's that next word? Worthless because of what Christ has done. That word worthless is a polite way of saying trash, garbage. Uh, the King James Version uses the word dung, D-U-N-G. That's crap. I already said long john, so... He's saying, I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I consider them crap. I consider them dung. I consider them garbage. Why? Because of what Christ has done. Look at what he goes on to say. Yes, everything else is garbage. It's dung when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. This is someone who came to the point in their life where they finally said, my heart is yours. The selfish desires I have, I have I, I'm going to empty myself of them, and, and I want to pursue you. And so, Lord, align my heart with yours. And God broke his heart for people without Christ. And so he discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that he could gain Christ. In Romans, he gives his testimony this way. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. Truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm not lying here. Verse 2, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. 
for my people. My Jewish brothers and sisters. Look at what he says under, uh, under, under the premise that his conscience, the Holy Spirit, confirms it with Christ as his witness, speaking in all truthfulness. He says this, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. His heart was aligned with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people. His heart was fully aligned with Jesus. Align my heart, God. Align my heart with yours. It's not easy. It's not common. It's not safe. It will inconvenience you. It'll invite interruptions into your life. It will take your time. You will be presented with obstacles and with challenges. And if God answer, if you pray this prayer, God will answer it, and you will be frustrated. You will be uncomfortable. Your life will become more difficult. But you will be full of gratitude, I believe, because it's far better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. Following Jesus was never meant to be safe, church. Do we have the courage to pray this prayer? Do we have the courage to see what it looks like to be answered in our lifetime? We're going to end in James today, James chapter 4. Um, James doesn't mix words. By the way, the audience is us in verse 4. Look at what he says. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? So why is he using this word adulterous people? Because he's painting the picture as the church and God. And when we have an intimate relationship with one another and the church, when the people of God end up uh, allowing their heart to be distracted and pulled, when we allow ourselves to, uh, to make friends with the world, with, with, with what Satan has to offer, when the enemy of our soul uh, puts temptations in our life and we step in that direction, what he's saying is, you're cheating on God. You're being adulterous. You're committing adultery. Your friendship with the world means enmity with God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world would become an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? He jealously longs for us to come to him. Verse 6 says it this way, but he gives more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Aren't you glad he gives us more grace? Verse 7, here's the, here's the, uh, the prescription Submit ourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. And what does that mean? That means you're done doing business over here. You're washing your hands from it. You commit no more further act. You are distancing yourselves from it. Wash your hands and in doing so, what ends up happening? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Align my heart with yours. Let me pray for you this morning. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, align our heart with yours, God Almighty.
I know it won't be easy. We know it won't be comfortable. We know it'll disrupt us. It'll invite interruptions into our life. It will inconvenience us. There will be obstacles. There will be challenges. We'll get frustrated. It'll make us uncomfortable. Our lives will become more difficult. But our life was never meant to be easy, Father, and so align our heart with yours. We're going to remain with our heads bowed, and if you're at home, I encourage you to take this moment to pray with us. So between Sundays this week, how many of you will pray this prayer daily? Father, align my heart with yours. With your heads bowed, if you've never place your trust in God, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching online, let me talk to you for just a moment. We've been discussing what it means to have our heart aligned with God, and you know what God's heart is concerning you. God is not willing that anyone should perish, but is willing and wanting that all should come to repentance. Boy, before your heart can be aligned with God's, it's it's really important to give them your heart, to give them your life. And so if you're watching this or you're here in this service and you've never placed your trust in Christ, we invite you to do so today. We invite you to, to repent of your sins, to receive the gift of salvation, to claim Him as your Lord and Savior, and to pray this prayer with us, align my heart with yours, God. In a few moments, one of the men in our church, Braden Abbott, is going to lead us in communion. And then afterwards, there's stations around the auditorium, and we're going to go to those stations and take communion. In a few moments, perhaps you can identify with Christ by taking communion with us, and maybe this is the first time you receive communion as a follower of Jesus Christ. Boy, if you're a follower of Christ, would you pray this prayer? In fact, for just a few seconds while the piano plays, let's say this prayer to God right now. Father, align our heart with yours. Heavenly Father, empty us from our selfishness. Empty us from our, our narrow focus in our life. Help us to see this community as you see them. Help us to see our families as you see them. Lord, we embrace the reality that it is far better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. Lord, you are calling us to something. You're calling your church, you're calling your people. So Father, as, as we submit and yield ourselves to you, as we seek to be obedient to you, we pray that you would align our heart with yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. 
If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.